Welcome. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Living with author and teacher Francois Feinberg. May the message you're about to hear earnestly touch your heart, and may it encourage you in your ongoing love of God the Father, your enjoyment of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your fellowship in both the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ. If you've been walking with God for some period of time by now, and you've been walking with Him intentionally and devotedly and in a lifestyle of consecration and worship and submissively, then I'm sure by now you've noticed that God does not quite do things the way you script it or might imagine it. Have you not noticed by now that God does things outside of your time frame and outside of your control. And that's the nature of the spiritual life. The spiritual life is certainly not a life of having your ducks in a row with God. You might um, be wondering why if I love God so much and I am a worshiper of God and I really seek to obey God, Why does he still surprise me? And why does he do things so outlandishly and so out of my control? Well, perhaps that's as it should be. Perhaps that is a sign that you're really growing in maturity, that you are really in a proper rhythm with God because the spiritual man cannot control God or dictate how and when and where God should act. For the spiritual man, life is not really any better in the control department. But the spiritual man has learned the lesson to forego control and to take a hold of faith. And today I want to talk to you about a God who breaks all the rules. That is, a God, our Lord Jesus Christ, who keeps to his own rules and disregards and disses and really overlooks the rules that we have made and we impose upon him. Not that God is a rebel when he breaks you and I's rules, but God is sovereign when he keeps his own rules and sticks to his own agenda. The recording today is a live recording in a home church setting, and it's a, it needs a little cleanup. It's an old recording, but I believe that if you can um, push through the, the ambient noise, there is a message for you, and it's from John chapter 5, where, yep, on the Sabbath, will you know it, Jesus once again breaks all the rules. At the tail end of our time together, I do want to remind you of a few things that God is doing according to His rules, according to His agenda, according to His sovereignty. I hope the message encouraged you for the live portion. Again, just push through the the noise and hear the burden of my heart, what it's like to walk with a God who does not quite fit into the box 
of the rules we impose upon him. John's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 10. Therefore the Jews said uh, to the one who had been healed, It's the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your mat. I mean, there's, there's a time for God to do things for you. And there's a time that the Lord should just not do things for you. It's the Sabbath for crying out loud. Give God a break. He can attend to your needs tomorrow. Not now. It's the Sabbath. It's time to rest. So here's a um, phenomenal miracle, a healing, and the religionists, people who really serve God, they're really perturbed. The Lord should be taking a break. You should be taking a break. Now, for this day, we have no activity. Tomorrow, God can resume again. We can resume again. So, Jesus, of course, comes and breaks every rule. That is the rules of man. That is the rules of religion. You know, religion says certain days we worship God and certain hours and certain segments. And God never got the memo. He just wants to be good to people 24-7. Is that okay? That's why I really believe the Lord can minister to you in your sleep. God can minister to you in your car. You don't have to come to just this meeting for you to have an encounter with God. Because God's working all the time. It's only a religion that says 7 o'clock tonight, God's going to show up. It's only a religion that says 6 o'clock tomorrow morning, I've got to get up to have a meeting with God. The Lord don't live by these time compartments and slots we have. The Lord just is. And He wants to be involved in people's lives. And here comes Jesus. Jesus is the incarnation of the mind and heart of God. Jesus is God on display. Jesus is the definition of God. Jesus is the explanation of God. None of us have ever seen God. And then one day God said, okay, that's it. I'm going to take the guesswork out of it all. I'm just going to show up on the flesh, which is what God did. So that we handled him and we touched him and we saw the glory of God and the wisdom of God. Up until that time, God was very mythical, esoterical, out there, mysterious. And here comes God, relatable, interactive. And Jesus is the Word. He, what's the Word? Words define, explain, clarify. And Jesus is the Word of God. He comes and He defines God. So here, He heals people and He blesses people. And as He's doing it, He's just defining God's heart. God wants to be good to people. God wants to heal people. And so we have a little bit of a confrontation here between the religionists. And by the way, we're not talking about pagan religionists. We're talking about God people. We've got the law. We've got the rituals. We've got the sacrifices, the commandments. But no interaction with God. God is very much an event. God is a festival. God is a Sabbath. God is a meeting on Saturday or Sunday. God is very compartmentalized. And 
get there for God, but the day that God showed up in the flesh, they had a hissy fit that they didn't keep certain rules. But he answered and he said to them, He who made me well, that one said to me, Take up your mat and walk. By the way, this is at the pool of Bethesda, just north of Jerusalem, and I've been there. Um, you know the story, the angel comes and stirs the water, and the first one that jumps, and that angel just comes, you know, every now and again, and the first one that gets in the water is healed. Um, that actually happened. There's actual historical evidence that at certain times the water in that pool moved. Whoever jumped in first got healed. And John, in his writing, gives us a little bit of an interpretation of what happened. It was an angel, and at that particular moment, God was ready to do something for you. So I've been to this place, and there's this man sitting there, and Jesus said, hey, you know, you don't need an angel to do something for you. I myself am here. And he just said to him, you know, pick up your mat and let's go. Let's get on with living. Great miracle. And they asked him, who is this man that told you to get up and walk? But he who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, uh, there being a crowd in that place. And after these things, Jesus found him in the temple, and he said to him, Behold, you've become well. Sin no more, so that nothing worse happens to you. And there's a whole sermon right there, by the way. Verse 15, The man went away, and he told the Jews that Jesus... Yeshua was the one who had made him well. And because of this, the Jews persecuted Jesus and they sought to kill him because he did these things on a day when God is supposed to take a break, you're supposed to take a break, We'll resume our walk with God next summer when we go to camp. Right now, I don't have time for God, and we'll wait for Sunday when the revival preacher comes, right? I'll wait till the, till the next CD comes out. Then, then God and I will continue our walk. But right now, I don't have time for God in the busyness of life where I'm at. So... Folk are really mad at you and I's Lord. He broke the rules. He tossed it out and said, you know what? I want to be relevant to you now. Not just next summer at camp. Not just when the angel turns the water and revival breaks out. I want to go ahead and start revival now. And they sought to kill him. So, before we move on to the verse I want to read for you, verse 17. I want you to put two things into your uh, mind and heart, if you will. Number one, God wants to heal. If you disagree, just keep quiet. Don't say a thing. Okay, so that's argument. That's rationale, number one. I want you to sort of just take a hold of the Lord. It's not confined by traditions and customs and religious practices and ordinances. Even though he said on the Sabbath, I want you to take a break, God is wanting to be involved in people's lives. 
He wants to break some rules and surprise people a little bit. Uh, Rachel and I we were talking on the car a little bit. Uh, maybe Mackenzie was with us. Just um, surprises. What a blessing to be authentically surprised in life. And isn't that sweet when the Lord just showed up unannounced and unexpected? You're just driving your car and all of a sudden just you just flooded with the presence of the Lord. You just break out in tears and we all look at you, are you crazy? And you're just like, God is so real, he's so awesome. And like, are you crazy? This now is not the time. You know, tonight when we have crew, Sunday when we have church, the now could be a time to have a breakdown with God and a great experience. We understand that. But for crying out loud, this is car. <laughs> Gotta stay focused. Form this uh, thought in your mind, if you will. The Lord's gonna break rules in your life. Amen. Amen. That's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Amen. The Lord wants to favor you. He wants to surprise you a little bit. Uh, For those of us who script for God exactly what He wants to do, when was the last time you scripted your life for God and it turned exactly out according to your script? That tells me He wants to bless you a little bit, surprise you a little bit, wow you a little bit. Just like this man, he did not expect... um, that day that he would be healed because he said you know I've been here for so long and I'm always the last one to the water I can't hardly get up nobody's here to help me and God's just like hey man it's time to bless this person a little bit just surprise and shock everybody shocking so be open to a little bit of unpredictability with God um, spontaneity. Are you all okay with it? Yeah. You know, bring out the snakes and handle it. I'm just kidding. That was a joke. Thought number two that I would love for you to just um, bind up in your mind a little bit, bind up in your heart a little bit. And let's see if we can just grab our mind around us some. Who is the one that's out to steal, kill, and destroy? We can say his name. Thank you. But look at verse 16. And because of this, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him. Now, aren't the Jews, correct me if I'm wrong, aren't they the people of God? Yeah? No? In context here, the Jewish people, were they not the chosen, called out people? With the presence of God, the priesthood, the ordinances, the sacrifices, the festivals, the offerings, the tabernacle, the the temple, the Shekinah glory of God. Are they not the ones whom the Lord said, you know what? I didn't call you or chose you because you were mighty like all the other nations, but because you were the least. This is this group of people that the Lord just graciously, mercifully poured out His extravagant love and calling upon them. They're they're His chosen. And here they are, the people of God, doing the killing. In the name of God. For the love of God, for the upkeeping of the commandments of God. But what's happening here 
is that Satan can find a foothold even in the things of God to kill the very work of God. So the Jews in and of themselves are not killers. Satan is the killer. Are you with me? But of course he works through people and their customs and their traditions and their concepts and their philosophies and their teachings. Yeah? Yeah. And so here's a group of people who has the appearance of godliness, but no power of God really in it to heal anybody, deliver really anybody. Jesus even accused the religionists. He says, you, you travel across land and water to, to make a proselyte, and when you actually convert that person to Judaism, you make them twice as much a son of hell as you are. It's really interesting. So Satan somehow has crept into our customs, our traditions, to kill the authentic, spontaneous work of God. Because we now script how things should look. And then God decides, you know what, today I just want to surprise you. I just want to like wow you again and mesmerize you and capture that's what mm -hmm. men do for their ladies right they do like an extravagant thing with roses and limousines and tuxedos <laughs> and women's just wowed <laughs> how about God can he sometimes just wow you and break some rules you know mm -hmm. yeah and so God is the one that is out to heal strengthen Raise the crippleness in you up when nobody can help you. He is the one that's healing you, not a mediator being an angel anymore. Angels represent still the old covenant, because an angel is a mediator. Jesus represents the new covenant. You know, Moses received the law through the mediation of angelic beings. You and I received God through the mediation of Jesus Christ. Amen. You only need to come to theology class sometime. But okay. <laughs> so, you know, Jesus just stands in front of this man and is wanting to do good. And then the very people of God, the folk who have the name of God, the badges of God, the tattoos of God, the Bibles of God. <laughs> We have the buildings of God. We get all frazzled. Oh my, this, this, this can't be. You know, there, there's a time to work and there's a time to rest. God can't heal people. It can't be done this way. A young person like you, God can't use you powerfully. God can't gift you with his spirit and just cause you to lead you. Can't, God can't do that. He only does it for the folk in the pulpit. So you, who are you? See? So what happens is God is out to use you, raise you up. Say, take your mat. Because your living is no longer there at that pool being crippled. He's going to walk you away. Your living is now elsewhere. God, out to just extravagantly use you. But then religion comes, oh no, God using me? Me bearing the testimony of Jesus? Me knowing the scriptures? Me speaking for God? 
Me laying hands on somebody? Me being used in ministry? No, that's for Harley. And so, yeah, we begin to kill. No wonder we don't just gleefully accept God into our lives. We compartmentalize Him and and we just, we just kill revival. We kill faith because we script everything. Saints, verse 17. It's my encouragement. And Lord Jesus, I pray tonight it would be your encouragement to the saints. Uh, you spoke this, and I pray even now that this word would be like a sword and pierce into our being tonight. Look at verse 17. Um, Jesus answered and said to them, My Father is working until now, and I also am working. How about it? No Sabbath for God. No waiting for next summer to have a grand revival experience. with God is working now. He's working now. Saints, in your class, God is working. And blessed is the one whose eyes can see God working through science and math and economics and this and that. Blessed is the one who can hear God through that pagan professor who may be blurting out all sorts of blasphemies. But blessed is the person who can dissect and discern through all this. Wow, God. You're strengthening me through his heresy. Blessed is the person who's not waiting for the preacher to deliver a great sermon on Sunday or Monday night or whatever. For the next book. Oh, i got to get to the next book. Blessed is the person who's like, Lord, you're in me now. Work in me now. Raise me up now. Make the cripple in me strong. You know? The Lord is working. So you and I script for God when He should work. And here Jesus just throws us out of the water and He says, Hey, Dad is not taking a break. I'm not taking a break. Even though it's a Sabbath, we should also kick back and drink some tea and just, you know, eat some chip and dip. No, I'm out walking. He had no reason to be at the pool of Bethesda. That's not where healed people hang out. It's where all the crippled and dilapidated people hang out, the scum. That is you and I. And I just love it. Jesus, kosher Jew, breaking all the rules, going to the pool of Bethesda, hey, it's time for you to come with me to the land of the well. I love Jesus. Breaking all the rules. Come on, saints. My Father's been working. My Father's been working until now. In other words, since the beginning of creation, God has not taken a break. On the seventh day, God did not rest because he was tired. <laughs> God don't need no breaks. There's a lot more going on in Genesis with that rest. The book of Hebrews, pick it up a little bit. <laughs> God rested so that man who now on the sixth day was formed, his very next day would be to enter into rest. 
so that he could just come and enjoy everything God had prepared for him. The Lord did not rest because he was tired. He rested so that man can come into the experience of just grace. The gospel is actually in the seventh day of the restoration of creation. Now listen to me, ever since way back when, God has been working. He created this man. He's working to form earth into something called man. Then he began to work out of the man to call this thing, to create this thing called woman. The man and the woman fell. In Genesis 3, God took an innocent animal and he worked a slaying, crucifying work for that animal to clothe the man and the woman with skin from an animal. You remember they had fig leaves. They started working, but God was a step ahead. No, 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 no. I'm going to work on your behalf. I'm going to take an innocent animal. And God kills that animal, clothes the man and the woman. In Genesis 6, God's doing a work through Noah and the salvation of his family. In Genesis 11, God calls out a man, Genesis 11 and 12, called Abram. And God begins a work in this man to move him from this country to that country. Out of Abraham, God does a work to create a man called Isaac. Out of Isaac, God does another work called Jacob. Out of Jacob, God does a work called Judah. The story takes a big detour through Joseph. You know the story. But God is working all the while. Satan, of course, is working. Then God calls out a man by the name of Moses. And he calls the group of people, and he's beginning to work in this people, setting them apart, relocating them from here to here. And he's leading them, and he's warring on their behalf, and he's bringing bread and quail, and water is being turned sweet, and coming out of a rock. And God feeds and clothes and nurtures and protects. He's working. God begins to work through Joshua, bringing the people into the land, working. God, as they're walking around Jericho, God is working through their faith, and He's working to destroy that city, to conquer that land. God began to work through the judges. God began to do a mighty work through the man Samuel, working through the woman Ruth, Working ultimately through, Ruth, ultimately through Ruth comes David. Sets up a kingdom there in the Middle East. Why? Working. God's working, working, working. God began to work through kings, through prophets. God even took his own people into exile. Working in them through Ezekiel and through Daniel and prophecies. Coming back through Zechariah and Haggai and Malachi. God speaking, moving, acting, healing through Elijah, Elisha, just working, never taking a break. Comes Jesus. <clears throat> my, oh my, as the Lord was ever working, it intensified in Christ Jesus. Yeah. It intensified. The Lord was like, man, I've been on a stroll throughout human 
living. Now I'm gonna. It's, it's time to sprint. And through Jesus, boom, bang, just God's working. You read through the Gospels, it doesn't sound like Jesus is even sleeping much. He's just constantly with people in their affairs and in their messes and in their homes and healing, speaking. My father's been working. Of course, Jesus is the ultimate follower of God in the flesh. The human part of Jesus followed the divine part of Jesus. Y'all with me? Mm-hmm. You do realize it was God and man at the same time, right? Just, just make sure. Um, and he's working. And uh, then comes religion. Religion says, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. God can't do it this way. Jesus says, why not? Why not? Why not? Every time you say, Lord, where were you? Why didn't you? When will you? Um, That's just unbelief speaking. He's working. He's busy working in somebody else to connect with that person, to do this, to give that, to come here so that your road just cross. He's working. And one day, when you and I come into the full knowledge of God's work, saints, I think before we rejoice and say thank you, I think all of us are going to have a massive repentance falling. Oh God, why didn't I trust you? Oh God, um, why would I question you? Oh God, sorry, my father's been working. It's been working. And time will manifest his working and his wisdom and his will. Time will do that. And of course, you and I, man, we just want God to do it, you know, so quick. And so you better believe the Lord is working even though there's tension in your life. Why is there tension to keep you in faith? Faith will withdraw virtue from God. Nothing else will. That woman that pushed through the crowd, pushed in faith. Jesus was just working. He was just walking. He was just doing the God thing. And she came after him through faith. And faith released God into her at the place of her need. So why is there tension in your life? Why is the Lord not always just showing up? It's to develop faith. Like uh, my staff. No, we're trusting God for big things and in our private lives, in our corporate ministry life. And we like sometimes get so like, Lord, why are you so late? And I say that with quotations, you know. Like, Lord, why didn't you this? Why shouldn't you? Couldn't have. And we're learning also, just like you, more and more to say, oh God, who am I to question you? Who am I to interrogate God? 
That's what Job did. How far did that get to him? <laughs> you know. No, what the Lord wants from us is just to push through the crowd and stay in faith. But to have faith build in us, the Lord very wisely will keep you in mystery, in tension, in the ex inexplicable. And you're going to go one of two ways. You're going to go the whining route. Oh, woe is me. I'm just a grasshopper. Oh, oh God can't use me. Obviously, I'm, the Lord's against me. Or you're going to like be like Joshua and Caleb that had a different spirit. Man, we can take this land. So yeah, the Lord's not going to make things easy for us. Why? To provoke faith. Without faith, you're not going to extrapolate virtue out of God. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Are you listening? Yeah. If Jesus Christ comes into your life and heals a crippled part of your being, would you rejoice? Or would you complain that he didn't do it within the confines of the rules and the expectations and the procedures and policies of man? I doubt we would complain that he broke the rules. I think we would all rejoice. In fact, God has healed me, and I'm sure God has healed you in many ways outside of your control and outside of what you scripted. Praise and glory and honor to our God, who's a rule-breaking God. That is, He will break whatever barriers we put on to control and to legislate, to get healing to you and I. Come, Lord, and break the rules. In closing, I uh, want to remind you briefly of three things God is working on in you and I's life even to this day. In John chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus said that my Father is working. And God has been working from day one. But in you and I's moment here, I want to remind you that, number one, God is working on the restoration of His image in you. In the Garden of Eden, the image of man fell. That is, man was created in the image of God. Man was to shine forth the beauty of God. And that image was broken. So since day one, through the redemptive work of Jesus Christ, God has been on a pursuit to restore His image within us and upon us. Also in the Garden of Eden, God spoke to the man and the woman and told them to be people of authority, to have dominion, to rule and to reign and to subdue any and everything. Man was supposed to be the head and not the tail. But since the fall, man has been subservient. Man has been a slave in a way to sin and death and to Satan. And God ever since day one, has been doing a restoration work to reauthorize man to live, to make you the head again and not the tail, to, to restore the dignity and the honor of man and the glory and the beauty of man, and more particularly to restore man to have authority over Satan. 
then again, Christ is the one who in us is the authoritative one who overcame the world and now overcomes it again and again and again when you and I allow him to take his authority within us and exude it from us. Not only is the Lord restoring his image back to you and I, not only is he restoring his authority in Jesus Christ back to you and I, but in the garden, God also authorized that man and that woman to bear fruit and to multiply and to fill this earth. Fruit bearing, that is, a life of influence. In context, in Genesis, it meant to have children, to reproduce. But in a spiritual way, you and I are to have spiritual children, to, to reproduce the character and the nature of God through us by leading men and women to God, by teaching people and mentoring and discipling. To, to, to bear the fruit of God is to bear the love of God, to exhibit the grace of God and the mercy and the kindness and the goodness and the joy and any and everything that is positive, to, to, to let that be a part of our person. In a way, this world is subduing the character of God in the fallen man. But in Christ, in the restoration, in the working of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the image, the dominion, and the authority, and the fruit of God is being restored even in this day. Not to mention that God is restoring marriages. Not to mention that God is restoring family dynamics and relationships. Not to mention that God is perhaps restoring the dignity and soul restoration of men and women. Uh, God is restoring work and, and maybe finances and maybe health and etc., 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 times a thousand. God is working, but He is certainly not working exclusively within you and I's boundaries we set for Him. I love a God, and I know you do too, that is outside of the box. Listen, if you want to have a God that's outside of the box and surprise you a little, then don't put Him in the box in the first place. Let God be God. And you, you just go with Him. He is working, it says in the book of Isaiah, and who can derail God? Who can stop and stunt and thwart God's purposes? No man can, because He is God. Then you and I, the only response we have is to let Him be.